Hello, and welcome to Somewhat Damaged. I'm your host, Greg Alpern, and with me as always, John B. This week, we welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the host of The Ding Dong Show, a guy trying to set a Guinness World Record for wearing the most amount of different t-shirts for the most amount of consecutive days in a row, and the writer and star of the cult classic film, Windy City Heat, it's Don Barris. Last time you came to my club, I was like, you want to go on stage? You're like, yeah, not tonight. And I'm like, this motherfucker comes all the way from L.A., doesn't want to step on the legendary stage of stand-up New York. I was like, who the fuck hey. is this guy? <laughs> Number one, I didn't come there to do stand-up. I came there because I came out there strictly because I was working there. I was working for a TV show, and I was just going around saying hello to people on around. And... Hi. I know, I know that the club's a big whoop de doo club, but here's the thing. Uh, I also, one time I was, oops, hold on. Oh, this really went crazy. Oh, I just had the, all of our conversation on the text. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'll not scary you. at all. I'll, I'll send it to you so remember everything, how mean you were. To me. <laughs> I got the whole thing. That is it's amazing. All over my for, for all the fucks that I give. <laughs> <laughs> but to tell you the truth, I also New York. Every time I've gone there, they've hated me. Well, now we now we hate you even more. How about that? <laughs> I love Don. Thank you. I love you, Don. Every time I go to the cellar, I'm sorry, the uh, the store. It's always a pleasure to see you up on that stage, even if it was behind a bar um, during the during the pandemic. Oh, you saw then? Oh yeah. I mean, I was out there all November. I mean, I was running around too, but like, uh, it was, it's always a pleasure to see you on the lineups and how's it feel to be back, man? It feels wonderful to tell you the truth. I was thinking before the pandemic, because of my, uh, because I do war TV warmups and all that, I had gone over 17 years. Every day I was on stage and the pandemic came and just ripped it out. Wow. And you get used to going up every day and doing something. And it really fucked with my head, to be honest with you. How did you pass that time? Just, I mean, obviously, a lot of us, just we just sat in freaking doors and did nothing. But like, what did you do? On a lot of masturbation that I was wasting by <laughs> when I could have been at home jerking off. <laughs> up that. Look at my hand. <laughs> actually masturbated the fingerprints off my hand. You see? <laughs> oh my God, you are jacked, man. Look at that. Look at that. Mom strength. You're never going to get through TSA now. <laughs> so how, like, is it, are you back now doing the warm-ups? Yes. Uh, Jimmy's opened up. They've got about a half an audience. I do Jimmy Kim Alive with about a half an audience. Uh, and going into that, I used to just spend the night just giving out T-shirts and talking to people, going in the audience, playing around. I'm not even allowed to walk in the audience area. Right. So, so really, And I can't give away any prizes, and people don't give a shit. Yeah. So you're just going up and doing that 10 minutes, getting the crowd hot, and then... Yeah, between 10 and 20. How do you... How do you prepare? Like, do you prepare differently for, for no. that than you do when you go up at the store? 
on the late night? I don't prepare differently at all. I go up with no thoughts in my mind at all, usually. Right. Once in a while, I might say, hey, I'm going to try this. I put in this word and this joke. So let's do that joke tonight. You know what I mean? Like, I might say, not with mine, you don't. I might add something one night and it gets a big laugh. So I, okay, let's try that again. Right. So I may do something like that. But the nice thing about the comedy store is for me, like every night I go up. So every night I'm on stage and I can work like that. Right. So I so have a hard time sitting down and writing stuff. So every night's a, a virtually a different set if you're just going up and. Yeah, I'd rather, <clears throat> I'd rather play with the audience. Right. See what they have and see what they give to me. And right now, I think I have about like five really dumb jokes that I do. And I'll weed those in when I feel like, okay, I need something here. Right. And But I'll, I'll talk to the audience, but I don't do it like the normal hack comic. Sure. So. Yeah, no, it, it's, you know, it's, it's such a staple of the, of the room, you know, yeah. and how, you know, how has it changed the, you know, since oh, they've been open to, to, to me and I don't know, it's probably the same to you. I mean, there's a lot of things that you cannot talk about anymore. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, even if you had like a very simple joke that involved race in any way, that's not allowed in any way. Huh. I'm the farthest thing in the world from racist. But sometimes you may say something that's funny, but you can't do that anymore. And I understand that. And, and fine. Good. And so I just completely stay away from that. I completely stay away from anything sexist, anything at all. It's really kind of difficult. Yeah. Do you think a thumb has been put over a lot of comedians with this kind of wokeness? I mean, L.A. is kind of like that area that, you know, in, in New York especially, uh, where, you know, journalists will come out to shows and they're not going to like a joke. Do you feel that you, uh, you've you got almost a muzzle on you, on you now? Uh, I do, but I also feel this. I'm very lucky because I usually close out the store, either in the main room or the original room. So I'm the last one to go up. I've like the last few times in the main room, I've had a little bit of a hard time because it's just, you know, now I'm going up at 1030, which used to be the prime time yeah. where you see a Bill Burr and somebody like that. And so now <laughs> I'm, even though I'm the last one, it's like they really expect something special. And at first I was doing well, but the last three times I've been in the main room, it's been kind of like, ugh. I walked away thinking, oh, I did not do well there. It's you, awesome to hear that honesty, Greg, uh, uh, Don, and specifically from you, uh, like hearing that, like, you know, somebody that's been doing it this long that you can say, yeah, last three sets have not been good for me. Um, in the main room, in the original room, I'll go in and I'll kill. But that's right. a little bit later. That's closer to midnight. Yeah. And so, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm not a 1030 comic. Do you think it's... It's, 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 go ahead, Greg, do sorry. You it, do you think it's at all because the the makeup of the audience pre-pandemic is different than it is now because you had you certainly had a lot more tourists and australians and people from all over the world coming in pre-pandemic and now it's you know they're not coming here you know it's it's all locals basically so you think that has anything to do with it like the makeup uh, no i actually like the locals because the locals like a lot of people that come specifically 
they wait till the end of the night to see me. Yes. Yeah. So they kind of know what they're going to get and they are anticipating that. And they like to like, they'll either look at what I do. Uh, if it's something I haven't done before, but they also like it when I tell a joke and they, they like watching the audience's reaction. Yeah. They know what's coming and they'll watch the audience. So I get, I'm kind of lucky in that aspect. So I can use a joke four nights in a row and people are looking at it in a different way and they're not, Oh geez, right. Do something new. Yeah. Maybe some people, but I don't care. What do you, what kind of chips are you eating? Uh, you know what? I just was having, I had a thing for guacamole today <laughs> and I got some guacamole and I got thrown out of a grocery store. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Ralph's. And this cocksucker George, it's the second time this fuckhead has thrown me out of Ralph's. <laughs> what did you do in Ralph's to get thrown out of Ralph's? <laughs> All right. I was walking and I was actually trying to find, uh, you know, and I haven't, uh, I thought, you know what? They've got great guacamole there. Let's add some, some of this. Right. So as I stopped by this fucking guy pushing the, uh, he runs over my foot with his broom, (laughs) just not paying attention. Oh, forget the fact that. So now I go up to check out and I'm trying to get back in time for this. So I didn't realize some people just have no fucking concept of being on time. (laughs) John. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I get in line. The line is completely empty. But now I see the same guy pushing that broom and he pushes it and he now is turning around. So I move my cart up and I start putting stuff on and he pushes the cart backwards and he looks at me like, yeah, do something. I go, don't you fucking stare at me like that. Don't you fucking stare at me. And so George, the fucking manager, comes out. Don't take his stuff. And I go, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Well, you're messing up my guacamole. It wasn't even that. It was like, hey, I want to get some guacamole before I talk with all these guys. And, you know, <laughs> these big shots in New York. These guys, they're fucking career makers. Look you know, we're team makers. Makers. There's not much we can do with yours, Don. We're, I mean, we're team makers. Eric Aligny was nothing until he met you guys. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. We, we took the Tampa out of that boy for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh God! So, um, not to get off the guacamole topic, but I am really wrong. Am I wrong? If some guy fucking stares at you like he's gonna fucking punch you, I did nothing wrong. (laughs) Fucking bitch! Fuck George! I'm sorry. Fuck George, and I'm not gonna let this sit down. I'm gonna make a big thing out of it. You should. You should. Fuck George. Fuck Ralph. All those. All those guys. Intrigued because I mean I've been to the Ralphs on Sunset at like 11 p.m. at night and literally people are just fucking jerking off in aisle two. Yeah. (laughs) I can tell you this. That's rock and roll, Ralphs. And I one time uh, maybe I should I tell something personal? Sure. I had sex in one of the aisles like at four in the morning at Ralphs. What? 
What? Wait. At the I'm corporate, the truth. What's the aisle number? First of all, what aisle was I don't it? Remember what aisle it was? I don't remember. I, I just know that I was with somebody who was a dirty, dirty girl, and just to do it, I just kind of went up and started playing, and then I was on the floor. <laughs> and one of the guys that knew me there, because I always go in in the middle of the night, knew me, and he just was like, yeah. <laughs> John, can you imagine the sight walking into Ralph's at 4 a.m. and Don's on the floor? And to be honest with you, I just put it in and pulled it out. <laughs> just to say you did it. Yes. You know, I would have, I would choose the cereal aisle because you can take those cheap off-brand cereals that look like little pillows and you could kind of like kind of recline yourself a little bit. So you got a little bit of an angle going on with that. That's uh, the aisle that I would John, choose. John, maybe when you have sex, you plan every move out. I'm spontaneous <laughs> and that's what the ladies seem to like. They never know what's coming. What's clean clean up. I didn't plans of what aisle I was going to do it in. Yeah, well, <laughs> again, I'll think cereal aisle. That it's, yeah. that should have been a scene in, in your movie, Clean Up Aisle Four, please. <laughs> but I, I want to talk T-shirts for a second. Uh oh, what the fuck? What the <laughs> fuck is John doing? Oh, he's late, then he disappears. What kind of bullshit is I'm this? Into this podcast, I don't see it, John. I don't see ya. John is disappearing into the hills of New Jersey. So he'll be back. So let's talk t-shirts for a second. You must have the largest collection or uh, there's a few people I know all happen to be comedians have insane collections of t-shirts, right? right? You, Florentine, Don Jameson, like no, have no, like well-known t-shirt collections. You definitely take the cake and you're going for a record. Yes, I am. I tried to do the record before, but then I found out that I fucked up. How? Well, a couple times, first of all, I did it a half year, a different shirt every day for a half year. Oh, that's, then I did it 365 days. I even, when I did it, I think my final shirt said I did it 365 shirts in 365 days. Then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go for the world record of the most shirts worn, different shirts on different days and what was the record. So I started doing it. And then when I found out the record, I thought, holy shit. Uh, and I got, and the record is some guy did it for over 10 years. What? Yeah. A different okay. shirt for 10 years? Yeah, and he died trying. So uh, I guess it would have been 2020. I had done it for over three years and then I started looking to make sure that everything. And then what I would do sometimes is I would buy a new shirt and, Oh, I haven't worn this one. I haven't. And I'd buy a new shirt and I'd wear it. Well, I went back and looked and, you know, for different circumstances, there were three shirts, different shirts, but the same pattern. Uh, and so I said, okay, but I, so then I just said, okay, I want to do a thousand different shirts, thousand different shirts. Right. We got to a thousand. And I said, at the beginning of this year, I'm going to try to set the world record. And today 
uh, this is from yesterday, so I haven't worn today's shirt. This is a uh, uh, shirt number uh, 254 or something like that. That's Kylo Ren from the... Oh, really? It's not Darth Vader? It's Darth Vader? No, that's Kylo Ren. Oh, see, yeah. I put on my thing, Darth Vader. No, Kylo Ren from... Uh, I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy in the world, but I happen You're to... fucking nerd. <laughs> hey, John, why don't you keep it down? We can't yeah. see you. When I can see, you can talk. Um, no, that's Kylo Ren from the first, when they started these new sequels of uh, Star Wars movies like five years ago. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the new bad guy. Okay, well, I didn't, uh, I don't have that. You know what? I'd love to get a stand-up New York shirt. Yeah, John. Yeah, John. I can do that. I will send that. I'll be, we'll, be in, uh, we'll be in L.A., First week of October, so I will definitely. I'll have, a, I will have three different versions of the stand up New York shirt for you. The you know, vintage one be, it would be three, yeah, because a lot of them I buy a lot, but there's a lot of like fans that send them to me. Sure, and they've been very nice, and so I'll wear like Chippewa Middle School of uh, <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa. I don't care. I would like to get, but I'm going to do a. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to do it, but like I will do some. Like I'll do nothing but Beatles shirts. I'll do nothing but Quentin Tarantino movie shirts. All different. So I'll put those back to back and put them into a little thing. But yeah, I'd like a stand-up New York one, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to ask you about about how you've accumulated all these shirts because that's a lot. First of all, that's a heck of an investment if you bought all those shirts yourself. Um, I did buy a lot, but I will say a lot of people have been sending them to me which is wonderful. Yeah. And uh, there's some that like somebody has sent that he may send me 40 shirts and you can tell they've been worn before, but I just wash them. Right. You know, I'm fine with that. So, huh. So you know what? I'll send you some shirts. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to set the record. And then when I do set that record, what are you going to say? What have you done? What have you accomplished in life? You have to ask yourself. Hey, listen, you'd be the second person I know that is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, look who's back. Oh, hello, John. <laughs> He's so pretty. He's so pretty. He's in New Jersey right now. He's driving through a, a Here's a question for people. Now, do you know much about New Jersey culture? New Jersey yeah, culture? We're both from Jersey. We're both from Jersey. Yep. Oh, you're both from Jersey? Okay. That you can answer this because I've I've wondered this. Who is the bigger star in New Jersey? And it might be an era. It might be like oh fucking John. <laughs> but who is who would you say New Jersey would be tied to more, Frank Sinatra or Bruce Springsteen? Oh, I definitely Bruce Springsteen. Now or do you, I mean like the people from before? I even remember that thing that uh. I, I remember hearing the story that Bruce Springsteen tells about they saw uh, Frank Sinatra in New York and they say, and F Bruce Springsteen's mother said, you know, Frank Sinatra comes from New Jersey too. Well, so you know what? I, I thought you were going to say Bruce Springsteen or Bon Jovi because that's what most people no. ask. You know, I, I will tell you this, if I may say one thing about Bon Jovi. It's not that I don't appreciate the, the music. 
But boy, oh boy, did he kind of try to do a photocopy of Bruce Springsteen. Sure. Even <laughs> in concert, trying to like talk his little rap like Springsteen does. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not that far apart in in their careers starting. You know, probably a ten year difference. Ten years, yeah, I would say ten years. And, and the reason I think. I don't think it's Sinatra, and I, I'm a I, I'm a big Sinatra fan. I I actually saw Sinatra one of his last concerts ever at Radio City Music Hall with my parents, and I don't think most people associate him with Jersey. They associate him either with Vegas or New York. I think New York and they associated with him, Greg. I mean, come on, the, the song. He said Hoboken. Is it Hoboken? Hoboken, yeah. He's you're born in Hoboken. I mean, you go you drive into Hoboken, and it says on the sign, "Entering Hoboken, the birthplace of Frank Sinatra." Exactly. So, I mean, he puts it out there now. All right, here's a question. And I will tell you what is, I've had this like fantasy thing that you can do. And it would be interesting to see if anybody could do this. I'm going to give you 10 weeks. Each week you move somewhere else. But each time you are kind of on the inner circle of some band. So you could go to the 60s, you could go to the 40s, you could go currently. Right. But one week, you're part of that band. You're not working with them, but you're part of the entourage. So you might be backstage, yeah. but you can watch and you can pick dates and things like that. Uh, like if you said Queen, oh yeah, I want to be with Queen for a week when they were in, uh, when they did Live Aid or right. something like that. But I'll tell you this, one thing I would definitely want to do if I was going on this musical journey, one of mine always is a week with the Rat Pack in, in Vegas, Vegas, yeah, oh, God, yeah, absolutely. There's no question. Like that would definitely be one one of mine for sure. What other things would you have? I would probably have something with Miles Davis. I, really interesting. I, I think that would just be. And I'm not the hugest Miles Davis fan in the world. I just like Miles Davis and that time when you know in the in the '60s when he was incredibly popular and you know like one of the biggest stars in the in the world in music, I think that would have been cool to see the jazz world from those eyes. Absolutely. I right. definitely agree. There's many things that, like, I don't know if I put it in my 10 weeks, but I even thought, you know, it might be really interesting just because of the energy and the craziness. And I should say, I'm not a homosexual. I have nothing against homosexuals. But I, will say this. I would almost like to see Bette Midler when she played the gay bathhouses. Yeah. In, because Barry Manilow was her piano player. Yeah. And I think she's really funny. And so I think that that would have been something, I don't know if I would pick it in my 10 weeks, but I mean, it's like, and I'm a huge Beatle fan, and I don't even, I've never really figured out where I would want to be and follow the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, the cave, the cave in London that week that they were doing those shows over there would probably be that. When is that exactly? John? That was like 1967, I want to say. No, no, no. That was earlier. The cave really? Earlier. Yeah, that was that was pre pre Beatlemania. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. So at least, uh, at least on Ed Sullivan's stage, I would probably say that week too. Oh, 64. So you're yeah. going 64. You that would be kind of an interesting week because you follow the Beatles their first week here. Their album had just gone number one. They had a number one single that might be an interesting thing the first week that they were here right 
Yeah, Anything new about- that you would want to do, Don, though? Like, like maybe, like, I mean, I'm not, like, maybe it's uh, Maiden or, like, Metallica on the one tour. There was a very close thing that I almost, uh, at one point, I used to open for Dice, Dice Clay. You know that moron, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Andrew yeah. from Long Island. Yeah, he's uh, the, the Jewish fellow from Long Island. <laughs> Good he, Jewish boy. Uh, he, uh, was going to he was doing I was open him for at this time and he was doing Metallica and he was going on between Metallica and Guns N' Roses as at the Rose Bowl and he wanted me to come along with him and videotape him on stage did you no I didn't I had another thing I had to do but that would have been pretty cool yeah. He was banging some chick at Ralph's at 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> look who's judging me. At least I was here on fucking time, John. <laughs> and on camera. Come on. And yeah, now you hide yourself. So my, I, I, you know, it's funny because I'm like, I'm a, I'm a big Grateful Dead fan. So I would have to occupy five of those weeks or maybe four of them from a week in every, in every decade of the dead. Really? Now, do you like it? I got to see him because they were on Jimmy Kimmel with John Mayer. Where he, yeah. Would you like to see, what do they call that now? Dead and Company. Dead and, would you like to see that or not? I did. I've, se- I've seen it like five times. And um, two of the five were fantastic. And the other ones were just okay. Um, I, I have no issue with John. I think John's a phenomenal guitar player and musician. And I like the fact that he's in the band. Um, a lot of people hate it. I I think it's it's fine. Um, it, this is not one of the decades I would pick. I would pick uh, late sixties, mid seventies, late eighties, early nineties. So probably four four decades. It might be interesting to go on. Didn't that was on that train journey across Canada, weren't they? I saw a movie where they went across Canada. The Grateful Dead was there. Uh, Janice Joplin was there. The Rock and Roll Express? I don't know what it was called. It might be, but it was like they did it. They had a documentary movie about it, but I'm saying Miles Davis was there. Yeah. That would have been kind of cool to see all that. Yeah. 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 There was, you know, there was some crossover in some of the jazz guys with the dead back in the the Woodstock year, you know, late 60s, early 70s. And even Brantford Marsalis did this historic run with the dead in, in Long Island in the late 80s. Just, and it's a funny story because, and I just heard this. So a couple of the most, you know, sought after dead shows for dead fans to listen to is this one particular show from March of 89 with with uh, Brandon Marsalis um, or Winton Marsalis. I don't know, I, I confused the brothers. Winton, Brantford. And he's the sax player. And he never met the dead before ever. They invited him to come up on stage. He showed up, walked on stage, never have meeting any of the guys in the band met him first time on stage. Right. And played this epic set that to this day is looked at as one of the best sets. The grateful that ever played with a guy that never met them before. Very cool. Oh, that's when you're a great musician. And I'll tell you this, uh, you know, uh, were you a fan of the police at all or no? Too too much before your time? No, I was, that was right in my time, the police, yeah. No, I love the police. Police were fantastic. And I will say this, but I always loved Sting because he said, I want to try different music. And he yeah. did. 
Sure. And he left the police. He tried experimental shit like never before. So I was very appreciative of that. Yeah, he did. I saw him in Central Park probably, I mean, maybe 20 years ago. And one of the guys who came out and did a song with him is this like famous Middle Eastern musician. I, I cannot remember his name, but it was... It, it was such a cool performance. Song, like, Dream of Rain, and then like he's like singing in the background, something like that. But the the music. Oh, Greg, Greg. Yeah. John can't even show his face. He doesn't say much anyway. Why? You're in the middle of telling a story, and he wants to interrupt you. <laughs> John, <laughs> you know how John is. <laughs> so anyway, I I agree with you on on Sting for sure. But my I would I would occupy forty percent of my weeks with the dead, and then. Really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have to. I I couldn't not do it. And then I I definitely but what if threw you in. Could only pick one week for each band. What if that was the rule? Can only take one week of the Grateful Dead. It would be the seventies. It would be nineteen seventy seven. May of nineteen seventy seven. You would want to be in there. Uh, what was their when they had in the eighties? They they had their biggest song chart wise. Oh, Touch of Grey. Yeah. You'd want to be in the recording studio for that. No, I don't think so. I I know, but, I know you when I was joking. Yeah, oh no, no. But I mean I listen, that's that those are the years that I got most into the dead because I was of I was a teenager that I was able to actually get in a car and drive and, and go to shows and stuff. So that it really brought me deep into it. But um I don't know. I would probably pick a Motley Crew like nineteen eighty five, eighty seven Motley Crew. Yeah. Just for that experience, because those guys are crazy and I don't know what else. John hotel parties alone with those. I, I mean it would just be amazing with, with the crew. Maybe maybe Zeppelin in the in the 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 Hyatt House, the Riot House years. You know, that's right next door to the comedy store. Yeah, right across the street. Yeah. Oh no, next door. Next door. It's the Andes now. Yeah. 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 Right. And I'll yeah. tell you this. You know, here's the thing. I love Led Zeppelin's music. I just don't think Jimmy Page ever created on stage what he did on record right i i just i don't like the way he played all over the place and i i like a band like i've seen the eagles a few times they sound their songs sound exactly the same way they do on the record and that's the way i like it yeah you know, uh they weren't into all that other stuff but you know led zeppelin it just seems like their live performances were so different right in my yeah. mind I, know, I mean, I never saw them live. I mean, I've seen... I've, it's funny they, had, they, had, they had that movie, The Song Remains the Same, where I right. think it's yep. terrible. I think yeah, it's terrible. I've seen, I've seen Page separately alone. I've seen Plant alone. I saw Jimmy Page and the Black Crows do all Zeppelin songs a couple of times when they toured together back in the late 90s. Did you ever hear that album by Train where they did uh, like Led Zeppelin 2 or something like yeah. that? Yeah, it wasn't bad. No, the it, guy's a great musician, the guitar player. He's a great guitar player, and, and, and Pat definitely sings well. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was gonna say. And his voice was fantastic. Yeah, they uh, they did that on Stern a few times. Um, played played Zeppelin covers, and they were always really good. John, what John? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. We can't see you. Just your big. Yeah, job. I'm almost. I'm, I'm at my house now, so I'm about to. Go on, so Don can't make fun of me anymore. I'm not making fun of you. Hey, I didn't make fun of you. I was just pointing out something. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. Absolutely right. I, I, I uh, like, 
I am one of the worst broadcasters to date. To <laughs> I'm not on time. Thank God uh, Greg keeps this thing together. <laughs> he does. He holds it together very well. Yeah, my nickname is uh, Glue. I would say, I mean, I, I would have to, I would have to, like, I want to, I mean, I'm a, I'm a different generation, you know? You know, so I probably wanted to go and see, I would love to see new kids on the block at their prime. You know what I mean? <laughs> And maybe you could suck a cock before you went to the concert. <laughs> <laughs> Evening for you. Holy shit. Holy shit. Wait, so John, so you, you would really pick new kids in the block? I mean, at the, at, the, at the peak? I mean, like, I'm not even saying new kids. Like, I mean, I would probably just to see, because I would want to see all these progressions. So one band is probably... Anything Jackson 5 or Michael Jackson, probably. I'd probably want to see that for a week. But, you know, I, I, I'm a big pop culture guy. So, you know, how did those... I mean, I toured in the early 2000s. So I kind of know what it's like to be a fly on the wall, but not for like a major, major band. Now, when you toured, was it like New Kids on the Block where every hotel you would stay at, girls would be yelling at your name john have the signs outside all night <laughs> not that extreme they were a little bit but they definitely i mean i was on the warp tour so it was that pop punk southern oh, california really? did you are yeah. you a musician i'm not i was a tour manager oh really yeah so like i kind of experienced it but it was a different vibe back then you know like we you would hear all these stories about what's the name of that book uh sex lies and cocoa puffs was that it greg drugs of Drugs that the, what who the author what's his name Colosterman? Yeah. yeah it was essentially about being on the road there was a lot of it and you know like the the quote unquote bygone era the good old days had kind of passed but I don't know there's something about that I want to see you know knowing what we know about Jackson five I'd love to see how that worked Michael Jackson in general his stage shows were amazing oh, to do a yeah. week and seeing the Moscow shows. I mean, now I think, say, Moscow, Billy Joel doing USSR. I mean, that would have been yeah. a huge thing to kind of be a fly on the wall for. Who do you think is bigger in the New York area, Billy Joel or Frank Sinatra? Sinatra, I think. Greg, can you agree on that one with me? I mean, I I just, I have to say Sinatra. You know, again, I think that really depends on who and the age demo you ask, right? Here's the thing. People hate Billy Joel. Yeah, like, like they despise. Why? Anthony Bourdain was one of the biggest guys that was pretty open about hating Billy Joel and not allowing Billy Joel music on the kitchen line. I think Billy Joel is spectacular. And I agree too. He's one of my favorites of all times. I've seen him about twenty-two times. Have you really? I would yeah. love him you know what I, I mean, would like to have seen? Don, you gotta come by when he does the the, the residency tour at the garden yeah. it yeah. is unbelievable and like everyone's like you know like a lot of people come out of town but like it's not a bad it's like a it's like a it's like a fee dollar, fee dollar i would say that i would absolutely love to see it yeah oh yeah. now oh before we didn't get any now we get two shots of you <laughs> Egomaniac. making up for lost time <laughs> um, I would love to see that. That would be wonderful too. And I think I I love. See, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and the fact that I think he too is a huge Beatles fan. Like when he called closed Chase Stadium, 
I was there. I was that last play at TA. Oh. And seeing McCartney come on stage, like, if you hear the backstory, he literally touched down on a private jet in the, like, right out, like, in, in, uh, in Teterboro. And then they had to, like, get through, like, immigration, like, super quick. And then they had to, and then they literally had to get right there. And they had no idea if he was going to be able to close the show. But, like, yeah, I mean... I mean, oh, here's the here's a here's the second partner, Don. If you're a huge Beatles fan, have you seen McCartney live? Yeah, I was actually at the Dodger Stadium show, uh, which was the closing show of 2019, and he may never tour again. So I may have seen the final concert Paul McCartney did. He brought Ringo Starr up. I was in the tenth row, and behind us, I saw like, uh, what's his name? Johnston from uh, Elton John's band, a couple guys like that. Everybody came to that. But what, you know, and I'm telling you, and I, I'm not ashamed to say, when he came out, I started crying. Well, oh, no. Blackbird. Blackbird came on weeping. <laughs> it's just weeping. In but public. you know what? Uh, he was on, I actually got to fist bump him when he was playing Jimmy Kimmel Live because he, they shut down the street on Hollywood Boulevard. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Paul McCartney. And as he came out, I gave him a fist bump. Wow. Oh my God. I was, I was doing the audience warm up. So I'm, a, and, and I'm telling you this. And then I stood on the side and he's got that piano that's all kind of like psychedelically painted. And he's playing songs like all these things. And I was standing next to his tour manager that had been with him for over 20 years. And he's just, sharing all these great stories but i could hear the piano hearing the actual piano before i could hear it oh that's wild in the audience it was just it was my greatest experience musically ever and oh Did and you ever think, Don, that being like a kid as young as you were and like wanted that you would have these opportunities yeah, i mean no, fucking living you know, the dream man even this uh van halen played on there uh, and Van Halen, Dave, David Lee Roth was playing, and he was like in the opening. They did a song. He threw up the mic, and it hit him, and he <laughs> cracked his head, and it it bled. Yeah, yeah. And if you watch it, there's I think on YouTube they they have that, and you hear me get up and start. Okay, hey. <laughs> so I'm, um, but I mean that was that was a pretty cool thing. That was the first. That was when they. That was the first appearance they did as a band back together was on the Kimmel Show. Was it? I didn't know that. Maybe. Yeah. have no. Oh, where'd John go? Is this the way he runs his club? I mean, it's unreal. In and out, and in and out, and in and out. I will tell you. Uh, like you know, I, I've probably in my life I used to publish a music magazine. So you are a fan of music. Oh yeah, for sure. And I at that time in those several years that that magazine was in existence, I went to see live music four to five nights a week in New York city. Everything from little baby, nobody bands to Elton John at Madison square garden. Right. Yeah. I mean, and so every single type of music and everything. Just out of curiosity, do you like Elton John? Yes. I, me personally, I like some Elton John. I'm not, like, I wouldn't say I'm a big Elton John fan, but I certainly respect Elton John. And, you know, like, Yellow Road, every time that song comes on, I mean, come on. What song? Believe it or not. Yellow Brick Road. Bad reception. <laughs> what did you say, John? Gold, uh, Yellow Brick Road is oh, one of those songs. I actually do that in my act sometimes. 
You do? Yeah. (laughs) Just (laughs) and it always gets a laugh. Oh, look at the puppy! (laughs) So it done. She had it done. That's Leo. Leo's the star. Hello. Well, he's the reason that I had to sign off. He was chewing at something. Jeez, Louise. Just a second. Hello? <laughs> uh, right, yeah, I mean, John, the owner of the club, was late and then he <laughs> had nothing but, so oh, we're a little behind. Okay, but just so you know, I I was probably the best guy, guest they, this show has ever had. <laughs> They'll probably call me at the end. All right, I'll see you shortly. <laughs> well, no, but it sounds like we need to, we need you need to sign off soon. Oh, pretty soon, but I'm okay. She's she's like a little bit behind, so. What I was no, gonna I, say about I enjoy uh, talking music more than anything. So yeah, me too. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm having a blast doing I'll, this. I will just I'll I'll end my musical journey with you for today. On I. So I, you know, I mentioned I've been I've been to all these concerts and everything top to bottom, and the one show that I think moved me the most of all the bands I've I've seen and I've I've seen pretty much everybody was Michael Jackson, and I saw Michael Jackson on September tenth, two thousand and one. Whoa! At Madison Square Garden. Right, that was his. That was his. That that tour he those two shows he did in the that at all was his was like comeback. Sunday or Monday, wasn't it? It was a I Monday. I don't remember the date. Uh, the day it was a Monday. Maybe because, a Monday. Do you know why I remember? And I'm sorry to cut because it was also the VMAs on that Monday as well. It. I don't remember. But that show, no. I remember sitting in that in that He's audience big, on the floor. Greg, I just I want to hear this. Let John go with it. Just get, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were part of the conversation. You were a big part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John, how do, I, how do I mute? So, no, I'll make it quick. So, I, you know, I'm on the floor in, you know, the second Michael Jackson hits the stage, I've never experienced a feeling like that in my life. I, of all the shows I've been to from the bands that I was the biggest fan of sitting front row and watching Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen literally blow my mind. This was nothing like I ever experienced ever and sat in awe for two and a half hours as he did, you know, his, his show. It was the m- most unbelievable thing I ever saw like live. And I couldn't believe I felt that way it's sitting in that audience watching this guy perform it was the most incredible thing and to this day it's the greatest show i've seen in person you know i'll tell you something when you say that michael jackson thing i feel that he's one of the most talented musicians ever i will say this i got a chance to see them on their victory tour when he went out with the jacksons but this was he didn't tour for uh thriller so this was his thriller tour yeah. So the excitement that you're talking about, it was crazy. Yep. And and I'll tell you a little story. This is how stupid I was. They had uh they had these shows and I was gonna get tickets, but I had to get like 15 tickets. <laughs> and so I got in line in Detroit and when they I and then when I saw how long it was taking, I stood to the side because I heard that they were opening for another show. And people got weirded out because I was just standing off to the side. And so they came out and they said, uh, 
uh, what's the matter? And they said, I said, well, I've been waiting here. I tried to get tickets before I got screwed because they never announced this. I drove here as fast as I could from Saginaw, Michigan, which is a 90 minute drive. I did all this stuff, boom. And I said, but I need these tickets. And I, I promised these people I'd get them good seats. They said, would you come with us? I literally thought they were going to, the people at the Silver Dome, I thought they were going to beat the fuck out of me. <laughs> so I was afraid to go with them. But you know what they probably were going to do? They are going to take me. They were going to give me good seats, and I was going to yeah. pay for them that way. What a moron. What a <laughs> moron. But I will say, that is incredible. Yeah. Uh, that was an incredible. You know what's for me, because I I do the audience warrant for Kimmel, like I go on stage before all these bands. Yeah. And I get to, hey, how are you? And I'm telling you this, there have been some the the most disappointed one was Prince, because I love Prince. Right. Prince came there and he hardly sang any of his songs. He had this girl singing most of the time. I like, oh, oh. But I'll tell Have you, you seen one, Prince live though, Don? Like anywhere Prince else? Live. What's that? No. Have you no seen problem. Prince? Nowhere else. Yeah. Uh, I almost went and saw saw him at one of those concerts he did here in town where they where he would turn off all the lights. Yep, I've heard those about those. But uh, one of the like I always go up and I I'll shake everyone's hand, and I went up to Tret. Trent Reznor and shook his hand. I said, I just want to say big fan. And he said, Hey, Oh yeah. What have I ever done? And I started talking about like not only nine inch nail stuff, but I said, Oh, and you produced this and you did this movie soundtrack and you did. And he goes, Oh, okay. I guess you do know me. Yeah. Uh, Trent Reznor made eat my shit, man. Let me, I'll tell you, can I just, I'll, I'll quickly tell you my Trent Reznor story because it's, it's kind of the opposite. Do you, do you like Trent Reznor? I love Nine Inch Nails. And by the way, this podcast name, Somewhat Damaged, is a Nine Inch Nails song. Yeah. That's where the name comes from. So I started my music magazine in 1999 because I needed to get into a Nine Inch Nails concert at Irving Plaza in New York City. And it was a radio only concert. And I had no way to, I wasn't going to wait online or start calling into the radio station. And I happened to have a friend who worked at Interscope who said, here's the publicist, call him, you know, talk your way into getting tickets. So I called up the publicist. I said, I have a music magazine I'm starting to publish online and I'd like to go cover the concert. And he was like, okay, I'll leave you two tickets. Come meet me and I'll get, you know, you can go into the show. And I was like, holy shit, that was easy. So the next day after the show, I'm like, I better write an article and put it on my website that I'm claiming I have, which I didn't. And it started a 10 year career of being a music journalist. Right. So I'm on a plane on JSX from Burbank to San Francisco. Right. You know, that airline that leaves out of Burbank, it's this fake semi-private airline. You pay like it's, Whatever you, it, Never heard of it. it's, I don't run with the people you do. Like no, 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 no. I paid, <laughs> I paid $99 for that flight and Trent Reznor and his producer guy were on it. So we get off the plane. There's only like 50 people on the plane and you go from hangar to hangar, right? So there's no, no airport. I'm like, okay, he's waiting for his guy or something. I'm like, I got to go up and tell him this story. 
right? Like, when else am I going to bump into Trent Reznor? So I go up, I start telling him this story. He literally had this expression of, I don't give a fuck on his face. And I stopped my story like midway. And I'm like, it was a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> and I just walked away. He did not care at all. <laughs> like, but, but that adds to the character of like, oh, really, you're a fan? What have yeah. I done? Yeah. Exactly. What have I done? <laughs> but I knew. I even knew. Like, I had just like was it just so happened going into that because like, oh, Trent Reznor is gonna be on the show. Oh, I'm gonna study all of his shit. And I was putting. I was trying to find all of his soundtracks that he had done. Yeah. And I put in it in a iTunes, you know, folder of everything he's done, everything he's produced, all right. that kind of shit. So it was pretty knowledgeable at that exact second yeah that's pretty cool that's really good to know your stuff and not know like oh yeah i like uh you know that one thing uh <laughs> yeah no <laughs> all right john so don's got a roll soon so hit hit let him up with your food it. question let me just before you do that where would you rank my interview on the greatest interviews ever that you've had on this show first of course great. thank you John? Yeah, I would have to go. This is number one because this is the most engaged, even with me coming in and out. Like, I, I like sometimes and, I, oh, I, and, I, and being late and add being late and being late. But, like, that, but I mean, listen, Don, I mean, you are a legend in itself. I would love to have you at the club, but hearing the music and not having to talk comedy sometimes is so much better. And, like, this is. This I mean I, I love that question. If you could choose ten weeks, where would you who would you tour? I think that's a fucking amazing question. Oh yeah. Where I mean, would you go? I think that's like I love that question. Fantasy. You know what? Do this for me, John. Next time, come up with an idea of and you can pick dates so you could say, you know what, I wanna be here and you know, like Elton John, I might wanna be uh November uh Thanksgiving around that time with Elton John, 1974. Final appearance of John Lennon ever being on stage during an Elton John concert. So that might have been cool to go, to go and see that. Yeah. I love that. There's, there's uh, so, so many. So we, we end all of these on a food question. So I'm going to let John, John, maybe you tweak it a little bit based on some of the, what we talked about, but let, let you go. You, you go, you choose. So, I mean, Don, we're going to, we're just going to go and gonna fill the rampant. I mean, you do a lot of travel. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask you, we always ask our, our, our guests, what was the best thing they had to eat this week? However, you know, you, you, you're dining on your guacamole from Ralph's right now. So I know that's probably top up there, but I want to ask, what is your favorite food that makes you think of home? Interesting question, because home for me is Michigan. Uh, real white trash. Uh, actually, Jimmy Kimmel's first wife was also from Michigan, so she used to always cook Michigan food for me. What's Michigan food, though? Uh, uh, you know what? I'll tell you this. Michigan. One of the things I've heard a lot lately, have you ever heard of Detroit pizza? No. Yeah. Lions and Tigers is right next to, uh, to Gotham. It's one of my favorite pizzas. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, see, I, I, I enjoy it. Greg doesn't know what Detroit style pizza is, though. Thick, it's real thick, and they put the sauce on top. It's real, you know, 
I don't know if I'd even include that as my favorite, my favorite pizza. I love Brooklyn pizza, but you're talking about, that reminds me of, see, all I can think of. And when we went, and when I say we, I'm talking about Jimmy Kimmel Live. We did a week in Michigan during the Super Bowl numerous years ago. I think the Steelers played the Seahawks. And one of the things that I really got into, I remember as a kid, Fago Pop. <laughs> and I had a food, but it's a local Michigan type of soda. And what do you call it there in uh, New York when you call a soda or pop we sell, we sell soda we, we say soda i know pop is big in michigan right pop, the way they describe all like coca-cola's pop give me right. one of those coke pops and, and but fago pop is something that really reminds me of michigan and you should so, go to an icp concert <laughs> what is that an insane clown posse concert if you're into yeah. Fago soda yeah i know you know you're really kind good. of They've the only added. reason I asked that, Don, is because I had something today that projected me back to my childhood. Oh. I had clam chowder at Friendly's, which is this <laughs> restaurant chain. It's an ice cream chain here in, like, I guess it's the East Coast or the Northeast. But I had New England clam chowder, and I, I, I tasted it for the first time in a long time. And, I, and my mom was there. She's like, you used to eat this a lot. And we used to go to Friendly's a bunch when you were a kid. And I was eating in front of her. I'm like, I, it tasted like I, I, I got transported back to like being a child and like, like, like sitting down in a booth and waiting for my ice cream. It was one of those things that was like, I know it was, exactly. it was out of body experience. That's, that's, almost, so. that's why I had to kind of ask that. Well, and, and that's, and I think that I kind of understood that's what you're getting at. And I remember when we went to Michigan, I bought a case of Fago pop, all the different flavors. And wow. I, I, think I left like, two thirds of it behind, but, <laughs> but that's what I had. And you know what? I'll tell you this. We were going to come to New York in uh, October. Jimmy Kimmel Live was, and we didn't do it because of this fucking COVID. And so they had to cancel that, but maybe next year. Hope so. Yeah. yeah. And I, We'd love to see you, Don. Um, Greg, is there anything that you eat that brings you back to your childhood, man? That brings you back home? You know, was, was you, my answer good. Is my answer yeah. good? No. That was yeah. fantastic. That's exactly real, honest, authentic. I want to try this soda now. This pop. We'll, Fago. Fago. And we'll get to yours in a second. But the reason I asked that is because I didn't want to like you said the food and soda pop is not really a food. But I thought that you were going for something that really and that rock and roll, rock and rye was the kind that I and that was good. And so I thought I was going for that, but I didn't want now the, the guy that you're considering your best guest ever to fuck up for one question. That you <laughs> still, still up there, still holding the ranks, very true and I'm, right. I'm, okay, great. I'm, what are you gonna say? I'm gonna say. I mean, if it's just to bring me back to my childhood, it, it ha it's it's pizza, but it has to be like, it, like I grew up in northern New Jersey, which you know I I think to this day has some of the best pizza ever right and i live in southern connecticut which has the number one pizza place in the country year after year after year pepe's from new haven and there's just something about a piece of pizza that is is a perfect combination of crust cheese and olive oil that if it's this if if it's right it immediately takes me back to my childhood pizza 
pizza place that I used to go to almost every day because my next door neighbors owned it. And I was lucky enough to just be able to walk in, get a slice of pizza and walk out anytime I wanted. And that would be, yeah. Would be my, well, I appreciate you bringing me on. I hope I did okay with you. I wish, John, we loved having you. I wish one of the hosts would have been here the entire time. So yeah. That was all the shit. And I'm telling you this. Erica Ligny will hear about the performance from John. <laughs> As he should. Oh, now As my he... producer's going to be mad at me now? Come on. <laughs> should have been here. Should have been. Anyway, Don, listen, we're going to we're gonna be in L.A. in a, in like a month, so hopefully we could uh, link yeah, up. And... Not by the store. Yeah, Stop for sure. The for sure. Every night. So well, and it's very nice to see you, and thank you very much too. for that. And I hope I did okay. We didn't talk awesome. comedy at all. No, it's fine. <laughs> Music is our thing. We that's down, down with that for sure. Well, very cool. Well, it was right. nice, nice to see you. And I'll you see too. you in a month. See you, awesome. Don. Thanks. Good one.